Welcome to the Energizing India podcast, a program that focuses on electric vehicle mobility in India and how to bring about change to this sector rapidly. Today we focus on a subject that is close to the heart of government policy. Go green or get bulldozed. Road Transport Minister Nitin Gadkari's message to India's auto industry was crystal clear. 2030, सरकार चाहती है कि देश में चल रही सभी गाड़ियां इलेक्ट्रिक व्हीकल्स ही हो। दिल्ली में भविष्य के ट्रांसपोर्ट पर ग्लोबल समिट मूव के दौरान प्रधानमंत्री नरेंद्र मोदी ने मोबिलिटी को अगला इंटरनेट बताया। We want to build India as a driver in electric vehicles. We will soon put in place a stable policy regime. around electric and other alternative fuel vehicles i'm convinced that india is best placed globally to be an early mover in the mobility economy batteries make up 50% of the cost of an electric vehicle and at the moment india imports a majority of this crucial component from china the major challenge for rapid adoption of evs in india is clearly cost India has no sustainable ecosystem yet for the manufacture of lithium cells to support the battery manufacturing industry. In order to achieve the government's vision of full electrification by 2030, the next domino to be addressed will have to be investment in gigafactories, and our discussion today focuses on this subject. When will India inaugurate its first gigafactory? India is a global leader in the two-wheeler industry and a global manufacturing hub for small cars. The world is moving so rapidly towards EVs. In order for India to maintain its leadership in the automotive sector, lithium batteries will need to be made in India at a scale that makes them price competitive for the industry. If not, our global competitive advantage in the auto sector will be lost within the decade. The very idea of a gigafactory in India will need to consider control over the entire supply chain. The challenge for Indian market entrants will be the complex assembly and engineering of the lithium cell, which will require Indian battery companies to reach out to tier one engineering houses and also tier one suppliers to source those chemicals. This sort of investment requires a scale scratching at a billion dollars just to open the door. By assembling lithium cells, you may get rid of the dependency on cell suppliers, but most tier one chemical suppliers for cell assembly are still in China. Then the mines where you find raw materials for lithium batteries are predominantly found in China also. As a result, the Chinese dominate multiple layers of the lithium cell supply chain. Indian companies may be able to build their own lithium cells and Indian chemical companies can commence processing of those metals, but the mining companies will still be Chinese unless India is able to reach a preferential agreement with Australia or Bolivia for supply of lithium. Beyond that, graphite is used in electrodes for batteries and India is the largest producer of graphite. But the process that makes graphite EV grade lives in China and does not yet exist in India. So there remains our perennial challenge of developing our own R&D capability in India to be truly atmanirbhar. Today, China is also home to three of the world's largest gigafactories. Each plant roughly the size of 100 football fields generating 1 gigawatt or 1000 megawatts worth of lithium ion batteries. Tesla's Gigafactory 3 in Shanghai is China's fourth and is now ready to begin production. The USA has two gigafactories in Nevada and Buffalo in the state of New York, and Europe has seen a raft of announcements of new gigafactories in 2019. 
In India, last year, Niti Aayog sought cabinet approval for a proposal to build up to 10 large factories that would receive subsidies to produce lithium-ion batteries that are used in EVs. Bids will be invited to set up gigafactories with a total capacity of 50 gigawatt-hours over a span of 10 years. Several companies have shown an interest in the Indian government's plans, expressing a willingness to invest in India, including a BHEL-led consortium and also an entity formed by the Ministry of Heavy Industries and Public Enterprises. Today there exist numerous cell packing plants in India, but not yet a gigafactory, and our discussion now will centre on when we can expect this to change and the challenges to expect along the way. The term gigafactory was in fact coined by Tesla founder Elon Musk to denote a large lithium-ion manufacturing facility. Our research team has brought together four incredibly knowledgeable leaders from our industry sector to give us some gyan on the crucial milestone of gigafactories in India. We have with us today Mahesh Godi, a serial entrepreneur who went to the Stanford University and then spent 16 years in Silicon Valley and today runs a company that focuses on engineering and manufacturing of sustainable green energy solutions, Godi Energy. We also have with us today Vikram Handa, founder and CEO of Ypsilon Advanced Materials, who went to Tufts University and is presently also part of the Harvard Executive Education Program. Ypsilon is India's only supplier of synthetic graphite anode materials for use in the production of lithium battery materials and is already a global supplier to many countries. Joining us also is Stefan Lewis, CEO of NextCharge, the JV between Exide and Le Clanchet, a friend of our podcast who was featured on our program a few months ago. Stefan holds an MSc in electronics and has spent his entire life within the battery industry in Europe and Asia and is presently working on completing a spanking new lithium-ion plant in Ahmedabad. And finally, Dr. Ellen Satapati, one of the heads of R&D at Bharat Heavy Electricals, or BHEL, where he heads the Space Battery Group, providing advanced lithium-ion batteries for ISRO satellites. Under his leadership, BHEL successfully established India's first lithium-ion cell manufacturing facility in Bangalore, where products are made for space applications. Dr. Satapathy was a UNIDO Fellow at Alfred University in the USA and past president of the Indian Institute of Science. Gentlemen, welcome to the program. Mahesh, coming to you first. How long do you think before we have our first lithium gigafactory in India? And what are the elements in your opinion that will create the environment to support such a major investment in India? Uh, uh, thank you, Raven, for giving a very good overview about the, the entire scale of the, uh, the Giga factory across the world. And coming specific to the India, uh, uh, it's, it should be arrived much earlier than anticipated. Uh, but um, due to the, well, as you said earlier, it's big dependencies are there, uh, with the, with especially with China uh, for the current uh, uh, EV market, uh, not specific to the EV, but also if you see uh, the, the traditionally you and me and everybody in India carry uh, two batteries in the pocket, either in a mobile or some other form. So it's a very critical and India is in a state of emergency uh, to have a gigafactory. And once a gigafactory arrived in India, uh, it's all about the supply chain and how best we can use the technology. If you see India is uh, one of the, uh, uh, a lot of te technology companies are there how we integrate and, and 
uh, the, the technology along with that also uh, the proper sourcing and supply chain of the materials from the different parts of the countries. And also the my point of view is India uh, should not heavily depend upon uh, other countries, but also look to local sourcing where the kilowatt per hour price uh, for the batteries can be reduced uh, uh, than what we are have available in the market. So, and, and, and that also, uh, once it is arrived, uh, the, the important thing is we need to use, as I said earlier, we need to use the AI and also blockchain technology uh, to, to maintain a proper ledger from the sourcing to the manufacturing of the batteries. Uh, uh, not just to the EV, but also for the different uh, IoT devices and all. And also with the advent of 5G coming in, and these factories should be interconnected, uh, not 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 just just focusing on uh, the manufacturing, and also interconnected uh, with with the other supply chain factories across the world. And now the connectivity is very easy due to pandemic. Now we are virtually connected, and uh, the connector factories need to be happen. And at the same time, uh, we need to learn from the uh, other players in the market. Uh, we have done this already, like Tesla to CATL or A123 or BAK. Uh, uh, we need to learn uh, and, and do the, the state of art implementation and do uh, the robotic manufacturing process for the batteries. Thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Mahesh. Uh, Vikram, if, if I can come to you, I guess you will come at it from a, a, the perspective of one of the key chemical elements that goes into the lithium-ion battery, given your which is uh, to do with graphite. What is your perspective on um, gigafactories coming to India? So um, I agree a lot with the, what Mahesh said, and uh, I think India is very ready for a gigafactory. Um, I don't completely see eye to eye with what Niti Aayog has done as a policy, as a framework. Uh, I think some more thought needs to go into what, while India might be ready for a gigafactory, but what what kind of market uh, is ready to accept this kind of transition? So are we looking at the two-wheeler, three-wheeler market? Are we looking at uh, EV? Are we looking at, you know, truck storage? So uh, I think four-wheeler transportation is the smallest segment in India. So I think it's important to understand what segment you want to target and then come back to the chemistry of the of the cell and then accordingly see what kind of gigafactory needs to be built. You could build a gigafactory for, um, like Tesla could build a factory, but you know, how many people would actually buy Teslas in India compared to if a, if a Honda bike had a built cells over here, I think it'd be much more competitive. Going back to uh, the raw material strategy. So we started off as a coal tar distillation company. We get our raw material from steel plants and we have forward integrated recently setting up uh, 2,500 tons a year um, anode material. Right now we're in the process of qualification with the anode manufacturers in China, Japan, Korea, Europe, US. And uh, we are progressing to start testing our synthetic anode material with cell manufacturers like Panasonic, CATL. So the way our business model is, is that currently maybe we would supply China because they're the most obvious customer but we are really targeting Europe as the next big market because we see the gigafactories coming up in the next two, three years. But what we're really pushing ourselves is India because I think India is going to take another three to five years to really see an offtake. And uh, we want to be qualified in you know, technology suppliers, uh, supply chain. Uh, they need to be comfortable using our material. We need to work with them for development of better material. And then when, the, when someone starts setting up an Indian gigafactory, we are very well positioned. Um, 
you know, graphite anode is about 25% of uh, the cell composition. So it's a, it's a good chunk of the cell as well. Uh, uh, you mentioned earlier that, you know, a lot of the graphite comes out of China, but India has huge graphite reserves as well. But unfortunately, they're mainly mined for steel or refractory in industry and not for the lithium uh, cell industry. Um, I was part of another webinar where we discussed, you know, graphite, uh, aluminium, copper. India can actually be self-resilient on a lot of metals, but policy needs to be more framed towards it to support people to get into this space. Um, and then certain things do need to be imported and you need to have good bilateral relations to do that. So I think once a gigafactory comes in and the markets, the, adapt, uh, the adoption starts, the scalability will come really fast. Uh, there's already a lot of talk of charging points coming up in India and you know the bigger and bigger tenders are coming out. So I think uh, th that part is being tackled and being taken seriously, but um, the cell manufacturing needs to, the framework needs to be made a bit better, I feel. Yeah, I agree with you. Thank you for that, Vikram. Um, Stefan, if I can come to you, Vikram made a comment that the, uh, he expects that the demand uh, would for um, the sort of demand to justify a gigafactory would come three to five years from now. And I think that would make Niti IO gulp very hard because their own plans are far more aggressive. Um, you uh, are one of the few companies that committed very early to India uh, and bet big on India. Um, I'm interested in your perspective on gigafactories and when they're coming. Yeah, I think uh, based on the forecast that we've made, I think uh, we should be ready with that Gigafactory in about uh, three years from now. Uh, our uh, uh, We've done the backward integration uh, by doing battery pack uh, first in a very, I would say, from a global point of view, state-of-the-art uh, quality level. But then cell manufacturing, of course, is next. Um, so yeah, in about three, maybe four years, uh, I think uh, we would hit that sweet spot where we would be able to competitively manufacture uh, product uh, for the Indian market. And as you mentioned, also for the export market. Although I'm not so sure that at the cell level, it could be different at material level, but at the cell level, I'm not so sure that uh, Europe or, uh, or, or China are the markets that we should target for exports. You see, the cells that India requires are uh, need to be optimized for the Indian uh, circumstances from, from a, a different uh, uh, ways that you look at it. Uh, and of course, electrochemistry, uh, first of all. Now, um, India has very specific uh, uh, climate. Uh, so I think those ex export markets that we need to look at are the ones that have similar circumstances, whether it is, uh, you know, uh, South American countries, whether it is, um, uh, you know, the, the areas around uh, India uh, and perhaps, uh, perhaps Russia, uh, why not? Um, so I feel that uh, markets that are at a similar stage as India and have similar requirements would be a better fit to uh, for the exports of uh, of Indian future Indian manufacturers. And I do believe that India will have a prime position for those markets, having a product that well fits those markets and being a larger domestic market, which will give them a leading advantage over 
some of these other countries which are smaller and will have to wait longer before they can set up factories unless they also want to get into exports, which is always a challenge, I think. Um, thank you for that, Stefan. To, to stay with the theme uh, that Vikram had raised, um, which is you have to decide what kind of application before you decide what kind of gigafactory. And in our conversations over time, it's becoming increasingly evident that really the mover for electric vehicles, at least in the start uh, in India over the next couple of years, will be light transport, light goods transport, three-wheel auto electric rickshaws, as well as two-wheelers. So uh, rather than, uh, you know, the Tata Nexons or, or the Hyundai electric cars. Um, do you agree with that, uh, with that philosophy? And is that the sort of direction Next Charge is going in? Well, yes. Uh, two wheelers and three wheelers definitely that's that's how we see it is is what uh, makes a lot of sense to electrify the business case speaks for itself um, although all vehicles are to follow and a lot of renewable storage as well I mean uh, lots of studies have already shown that there is a point in time and it's just a few years away and for some markets it's already here where electric transportation simply makes more sense than, uh, than uh, ICE. And, you know, it, there's plenty of examples where markets that have, uh, uh, you know, a, a better business case for a new technology always shift to that new technology. So that is, is simply going to happen. So yes, two wheels and three wheels, but I don't think we should forget electric buses. Uh, there is a massive fleet and quite a good government push to uh, move electric, uh, to, to move buses into electric as well. Uh, full electric. So, and uh, you don't need a lot of buses to uh, create a big volume. Mm. Uh, a couple of thousand buses can can really, uh, you know, drive the same kinds of volume than you have for ten thousands of two wheelers. Obviously, I mean, a typical bus has a two hundred kilowatt hour battery. A typical two wheeler has a two kilowatt hour battery. So you need a hundred two wheelers to have the same amount of battery requirement as a, as as one bus. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you for that, uh, Stefan. Dr. Ellen Satapati, you are Head of Research at BHEL for EVs and all things lithium. Given that India has no viable reserves of lithium to meet the demand within the country, are there other options for us to power EVs besides lithium-ion batteries? For a long time, lithium uh, as a metal was used as a mood-modifying agent. Basically, it's an anti-suicidal agent. So for a long time, it was not used for making, you know, use in battery or something else. But coming back to the perspective in Indian condition, if you look at why do you need lithium? Now, if you look at the two major applications, one is your mobile phone and another is the automotives. Now, do you know that you know we need something like 400 million of smartphones every year? Because every two years, if you replace it with the 120, uh, 1.2 billion people. So if you need 400 million smartphones, which require average around 5 to 6 gigawatt hours of lithium ion, batteries. Similarly, if you look at the last year's figure of automobiles, we have 3.4 million units of four-wheelers and almost like 21 million units of two-wheelers. So if you take up that kind of statistics, as average of around say 15 kilowatt hour per car and 2 kilowatt hour per two-wheeler, and if you look at the 30% requirement, what you are talking 2030, the government's requirement, it needs around 27, 28, 28 gigawatt hour. So if you add it something like 35 to 40 gigawatt hour is a minimum requirement 
uh, of lithium ion exist in this country. Now, if you know the compositions of lithium ion, there are there are three main compositions, as you all of you know, the LCA, NCM, and LFP. Typically, one kilowatt hour lithium ion battery requires around 150 gram to 300 grams of lithium. So, even an average, if I take around 200 gram, and if you're talking about 40 gigawatt hour, which if you do with all automobiles conversion and all energy storage to go to 100 to 120 gigawatt hour, let me assume say 40 gigawatt hour. So we need something like 8,000 metric tons of lithium per annum in this country in 2030. Now, where is the lithium? We do not have lithium. Unless long, till last year, we discovered a lithium source in Karnataka, India, where we say that around 14,000 tons of lithium reserves are available in Mandya district of Karnataka. But then that, if you look at the 8,000 tons requirement per annum, that will last maximum for two years. Then what will you do when you come with a 40 gigawatt hour, 50 gigawatt hour, or 100 gigawatt hour in 10 years from now? How do you get the lithium? Now, if you look at the global source of lithium, we have something like 15 million tons of global lithium reserves around the world. And we have also in potential reserves around 62 million tons. Now, Chile, which uh, comprises around 8.6 million tons, tops in the list compared to uh, you know, next is uh, Argentina, 2.8 million tons and 1.7 million tons Australia. And the China, which is actually planning to build 200 gigawatt hour in next few years, by 2023, they have only 1 million tons. And what they've used, they've used only 0.0075 million tons of uh, uh, lithium. So they are getting from third places. But given that there are so few gigafactories in the world today, is the Indian government overreaching in its plans to have an installed capacity of 50 gigawatt hours in the next few years? Now, if China can think of building 200 gigawatt hour additional capacity besides what they have today, why India cannot able to think of producing 50 gigawatt hour lithium ion? So, the, my perspective is that now we can say that you know, there is a global reserve of lithium available, though India doesn't have. But we can still aim for, or we can still dream of setting up a 50 gigawatt hour facility in 2030. Now, what is that you can do? How to get lithium? So I had identified three stakeholders. So one is the government of India, third, second is the industries, and third the academia. So what is the government of India can do? Because the government, since we do not have in our country the reserves, the government of India has to facilitate to identify other locations besides the Mandya district of Karnataka to identify whether we can have some more lithium ion source, lithium source. Because lithium is such a reactive metal, it's always available in the form of a salt, either lithium carbonate or lithium hydroxide. So we need to find out what other source is available. Dr. Satapati, trying to be self-reliant using our own resources is very commendable, but do we have any other options to meet the government's aggressive electrification plans? The other option is that we need to have a good bilateral relationship with the countries the, like you know, the Chile or the Argentina or the Australia or those kind of countries, which you have a good relation with Bolivia, you know, so that you can able to get a lot of this uh, lithium ion in the long term. Now, if you remember last year, Honorable President of India had visited to Bolivia, and they have signed an agreement on the in this regard that they can they can supply lithium salt to India to uh, you know uh, to facilitate uh, laying out our plant in India. Second, you must be aware that the uh, government of India has already formed a company called the Kabil, Khanis Vidas Nigam Limited, with uh, comprising of three public sector companies. 
which are looking into the mineral uh, resources required for our country. And they have also visited to Bolivia, Argentina, and other places. Even Argentinian president also visited India, and that also talk is going on, on specifically on the lithium, because government is also looking into that lithium requirement. So if you look, look at uh, today, looking at uh, the price, something like twelve thousand five hundred dollars for one metric ton of lithium carbonate, which likely to be becoming something like eighteen thousand dollar per metric ton if you go for a pure form. Uh, if you some are calculated Indian rupees, maybe around one kg, around five hundred rupees. So, if you are looking at uh, to produce that uh, in India or for satisfying the requirement of the country, you have to have the country has to have a good relationship with other countries who are having to have these resources, and we can have a long term association with them. Thank you very much, Dr. Satyapati. You came at this from the perspective of how do you facilitate uh, a lithium gigafactory in terms of the, the the supply chain, and you touched on something very important: uh, second life. Mahesh, given the challenges in the lithium feed source for a potential gigafactory, and also the fact that there is a tremendous amount of lithium batteries already existing in India being used in electronics, such as, for example, mobile phones, do you think that recycling these as a feed source for a potential gigafactory may alleviate the challenges of input raw materials? So, so uh, recycling play a very critical role because uh, where we can eliminate uh, interdependencies of uh, uh, getting the, the lithium actually from the from the earth, so we can extract uh, more lithium than extracting from the from the earth. So if you see, uh, India is the second largest in the population, and we are using so many lithium-ion batteries, not not just to the electric vehicles, but uh, to the mobiles and other uh, devices. So there should be a policy from the government. And it should give in a mandate that all these uh, the, the the second life batteries need to be uh, sourced properly, and uh, and it should be part of the policy uh, to have either it can be used as secondary batteries or second life batteries, or it can be used for the recycling, and that should be done uh, in very uh, 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 very aggressively in, in the policies. So that uh, that will be a part of uh, a gigawatt factory. It's a mandate to have uh, a recycling facility uh, uh, for every gigawatt plant they are, they want to build up. Yeah. Vikram, uh, you know, we don't have a lot of uh, lithium-ion in vehicles in India, but everyone uses a mobile phone. So there's a lot of lithium-ion batteries in the country. What is happening today? Do these end up in a landfill? Is there an existing industry? Are they exported back for value addition? So this is something actually we're studying ourselves and we're talking to a few companies in the US because there's a lot of good work happening where you can take any cell, like even a, say a, cell, a mobile phone cell and make a customized cathode out of that depending on the chemistry of your cell. So it gives you a lot of flexibility. You know, you can be taking cathode material out of, out of mobile phones and actually making it further for EVs. And I think that's a really good solution to bridge maybe three or five years until scale kicks in in India. So my understanding is it's a bit unorganized right now. It's the, the, the scrappage policy in electronics is not there. I might be wrong, but uh, I think it's unorganized, but that's a huge opportunity because the volume already exists in India. 
So uh, I think that's a, that's, a, that's a good space to look at for the next two to three years and be able to scale it up future. Just to give you an example, you know, uh, we talk about competitiveness globally uh, in manufacturing cells in India and maybe exporting them. Um, as a business, we benchmarked our model to say that we don't need any government subsidy or any government policy to succeed. So we want to be competitive day one in an export market and position ourselves to capitalize on Indian, on domestic opportunities when they come. So we are actually going to be exporting into China from India. And that really shows that you can be competitive. Um, I think another key thing that's not been discussed so far is also your carbon footprint in manufacturing process. Uh, I think that's a huge disadvantage for China because that's not something they really focus on. But I think looking at India, Europe, US and other developed countries, that's really important in the supply chain as well to have a lower carbon footprint in your manufacturing process. It's, it's very energizing to actually hear a business leader right now talk about having a business plan that stands up without government support or subsidies and then everything else is jammed if it comes. It's really good and it'll be interesting to watch your success over time, Vikram. All right, so then let's move from supply chain to costs. Uh, Stefan, outside of the supply chain issues that we've just discussed, why have you not seen a gigafactory investment in India just yet? And when we get one, what do you think is going to happen to battery prices? Right. Um, uh, why haven't we seen the factory yet? I, I think mainly because the domestic market doesn't support the output of a factory uh, that can manufacture competitively. So um, to break that down a little bit, uh, you need you need a, a gigafactory to be able to manufacture competitively. It's very difficult to set up a uh, I don't know 215 megawatt hour factory in India and uh, have competitive product coming out of that plant. Um, so uh, you need you need uh, you need a gigafactory to be able to manufacture competitively, and then uh, you need to sell a decent volume out of that factory uh, uh, for it to uh, you know to make to make sense. And uh, those are the two reasons why we don't have a factory today yet. What was the second part of your question? I'm sorry. The second one was uh, more in terms of what do you think will happen to prices right. of lithium-ion batteries? And the reason I asked that question, Stefan, just to set the ground the scene is a lot of companies have invested in cell packing plants. So when the lithium gigafactory happens, uh, what happens to these investments, um, which would be much smaller in scale? Uh, well, uh, the, 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 the pack manufacturing facilities, I think, will continue to operate. Uh, and, 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 and grow more successfully. I don't see a reason why not. Uh, the only thing is that uh, rather than cells coming in from other places in the world, mainly China, they can come from the local manufacturers. That is definitely also what we have as a strategy. I don't expect much change to the pricing though. The import duties are uh, relatively low, depending on the application, somewhere between five to eleven percent, and uh, you know that is kind of the the delta that I think we will need to uh, to to buffer the difference uh, between 
people who are making 50 gigawatt hours versus people who are making five gigawatt hours, for example, um, because still there is a difference of a few percent. So that is something that the import duties may, 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 uh, may solve uh, if we do everything right and we have the entire supply chain, including the recycling. We'll go to the rapid fire round then as part of the closeout. And uh, I'll ask this question in jest uh, to every member of the panel. We'll go around the, the four. If you were to bet $500 in a pub on when India will see its first gigafactory, what year would it be, Mahesh? It will be like 2023. 2023. Vikram? I'd say 2023 as well. As well, 2023. Stefan? 2023 is a good year, although I would have to move out of Ahmedabad to bet because there's no pubs in Ahmedabad. <laughs> and Dr. Satipati. 2030. I don't think 23 will have to do. Uh, first, yeah. The first gigafactory you think will be 2030? Yeah, it'll because the one it takes almost two to three years to make it. And uh, if you can conceptualize today, I don't think it will not not, even, not before 25 rather. Because. Because we started, we started thinking of uh, making a gigawatt factory in 2017-18. Till today, we are nowhere, and we only end up with, uh, having a two megawatt hour plant. Uh, we have to, we uh, we established the first two megawatt hour plant uh, lithium-ion plant in Bangalore for space related lithium-ion batteries. But uh, yes, it will take uh, at least uh, if you conceptualize now, it will fully operational five years from now. Mahesh, you were going to say something to that. That's my, uh, see, my view. See, I, I, I've been in, in Bali and things need to be done at a speed and a scale. And out there, a lot of money sitting in big investors. And, uh, and, and, and also, India is at a state of emergency. This is the need for the day. And 2030 is too ambitious. And uh, definitely, if it is not happening in the next three, four years, we are in a big problem as a country. So it should be happen and, and, and it should be happen at the scale. And, uh, and nowadays constructing a factory is, is done very fast. You see during the COVID how hospitals are kind of constructed in, in weeks and months, right? It's not in years. So those days are gone with, with the kind of uh, technology we have for the construction. I tend to agree with you, Mahesh. I think we need to be a little bit bold. We need to be like Kennedy charged NASA in the early 60s to say we just need to get to the moon and we need to take that as a challenge to say it must happen. If we wait till 2030, yeah. 20, we might yeah. get uh, risk being left behind. And also, uh, just, just add to that, I mean, uh, if it is first gigawatt, gigawatt package is getting failed, it's okay. We learn from it, but, but we need to move, on, move fast. Mm. At the scale, otherwise, it's going to be a big problem for India. Yes, a very valid comment. Well, Dr. Satapati, you have $1,500 probably to make if it happens in 2030. So we'll, we'll, we'll keep it no, going. No, I, I revised to, to 2025. <laughs> to 2025. Because it takes minimum three years in this country because right. even after conceptualization, still doesn't move. There are a lot of hurdles. You have already talked about mafia. There are so many other issues will come up in this country. But so yes, uh, there is a need of power. And we need to do it, yes. The general consensus then on the panel is that uh, we will have a gigafactory in India sometime between 2023 and 2025. Um, the yes. second rapid fire question, gentlemen, if you could answer in a, in a sentence. Um, in the year 2030, where do you see India's position in the lithium ion battery space? When you look at it now with China being the overwhelming supplier globally, uh, we've got uh, the USA being second, we've got a raft of announcements happening in, in, in Europe. Where, where do you see, if you could say in one sentence where would india be in 2030 in the in the lithium-ion space 
Mahesh. So yeah, so yeah. I uh, we are going to uh, manufacture the the different form factors, not just to the EV and uh, for for other products as well in India that manufactured in India and mostly ninety percent sourced from India because we are not just talking about lithium. There is out there sodium ion batteries and under under other technology. And uh, that is my gut feeling. Like we are, everybody will look at us uh, uh, because we are we are going to gradually reduce the gigawatt hour per price to 40 percent uh, uh, by 2030. And uh, as a company, we have a big ambition to done it much faster. Uh, so we're working very hard to get it done uh, very fast. Yeah. Thank you, Mahesh Vikram. Yeah. What is your impression? I think we'll definitely be in the top five manufacturers globally. I think uh, it's a slow start, but then the adoption will come really fast and the scalability in a market like India will come really fast. So I definitely think by 2030, we're top five global manufacturers. And that can, that can only be good for Ypsilon. So I'm looking forward to that journey and sitting with you in the pub in 2030 when you win that $500 then. Um, Stefan, uh, your impression of where India will be in, uh, in, in, uh, in this decade? Certainly uh, top five, perhaps even top three, I would say. I'm, uh, I still think that uh, today we may even have a chance to catch up with Europe. I mean, China is gone, that, that ship has sailed. But uh, I, I know a little bit more about Europe uh, than, than I know about India. And uh, I also know the challenges that are there in Europe. And I think that's one thing that uh, we have less in, in India. Uh, which is the, uh, you know, the, the, the culture of finding compromises and making sure we make the absolute best choice, which sometimes can take years to decide on, um, you know, the seek and the search for perfection. And uh, that uh, paralyzes Europe sometimes, which has also brought it to being a follower in the lithium ion already. So, yeah, perhaps the top three position. Search for perfection, a very northern European trait. Uh, also in the top three, maybe top five. Dr. Satyapati, typically the contrarian. What is your impression? Yeah, I'm not a pessimist, but we have not yet started the Gigafactory. So I don't think we'll be at uh, top three or top five. My view is around top 10, but things are going on very fast. The fast pace it is going now. A lot of policy changes are happening. And definitely it will come up. But by the time we are talking 2030, uh, say even 50 gigawatt hour in India, China would have already done some 200, 250 gigawatt hours. So I would say within top 10 is a good uh, chance to reach there. In the top 10, thank you. Thank you very much, uh, Dr. Satyapati. Gentlemen, we have had a very interesting fireside chat. Uh, we, In this very brief time that we had together, we looked at the challenges for a gigafactory in India, namely being the dominance of China in the supply chain uh, and our need to get friendly with uh, nations in South America and Australia. Uh, we've looked at uh, what needs to happen beyond just the supply chain and things like second life or recycling um, of batteries, uh, of lithium uh, and, and other, uh, other components within the lithium ion batteries in order to enable a gigafactory. And then we've also uh, come to a common consensus, in fact, that uh, pricing might not change much. Pricing will follow the genuine, the general lithium ion pricing curve that we're seeing globally. 
uh, and that India will likely see its first uh, gigafactory 2023 to 2025 timeframe, um, and that we are likely to be somewhere in the top three or five players in lithium-ion in this decade if we get everything right, uh, which is always a challenge because sometimes India works despite its government, not in spite of it. And uh, we do hope that uh, the points you've made about the right regulations and policies uh, and directives coming out from the from Niti Aayog and, and other policymakers in India do take cognizance uh, that India should not miss this boat, having missed so many over the 90s and, and the late 2000s. 2020 has been an immense year for our industry. It's brought about so much change. On the one hand, uh, challenges to our thinking perspective, and on the other, so many opportunities. Uh, it's been the year when people made the decision to move to electric from the get-go because so many Indians had to buy their own means of transportation with public transport not working six or seven months. 2021 is going to be a seminal year in many ways for our sector, and we look forward to bringing you more conversations with the protagonists of this industry across the entire ecosystem. Till then, stay safe and see you soon. I'm your host for this episode, Ravin Mirchandani. But I would not be here without the amazing Energizing India podcast team. Onkar, our podcast director and the man who makes it all happen in the end, much like a big fat grand Indian wedding, bringing together the research data and attention to details, all in the timelines to get the next episode out on time. Three Vikram, our podcast co-host and head of research, and Sunil, who along with me is executive producer of our program. The Energizing India podcast is an Ador Digatron production, giving a voice to the EV industry in India. If you enjoyed listening to us today, make sure to follow us on whatever platform you are listening on, whether it's Spotify, Apple iTunes, or our own portal, energizingindia.tv. Thank you very much, and see you on the next episode.